What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Today, we're talking about marketing roadmaps. Roadmaps are usually more common in kind of the tech product teams world and also very common in project management world. Um, it's kind of about giving your team the big picture and, and helping everyone align on, on project goals. But anyone who's been in marketing knows that this is something super useful uh, that can be applied to the marketing practice as well. So here's today's main takeaway. While it doesn't always have to be set in stone, a roadmap helps your team stay accountable to certain tasks and deliverables, but it's also a focus weapon that arms you with the ability to say no to new requests. You work on priorities and capacity, you share it with other departments and other leaders for feedback, and it comes and it becomes this kind of like marching orders, right? And in the words of uh, Daryl Alfonso, a friend of the show, if you don't have a roadmap for your marketing team, someone else is going to build it for you. So take the time to plan out what you want to do, what you think is like closely tied to objectives and what's going to provide value and say that that's what you're going to deliver next year or like next quarter or whatever. And if you don't do it, like someone else is likely to dictate what you're going to be working on. So that's kind of the thesis we're, uh, we're running here, JT. I know it's going to be a, a fun episode because mm -hmm. um, you're kind of in this like interesting scenario now where, um, you know, instead of just like the in-house focus uh, perspective of building roadmaps, you've got kind of the, the consulting uh, world experience as well. Uh, and I've got kind of the startup versus like bigger <laughs> team uh, perspective as well. So yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I think both you and I are uh, have a lot of synergy on this one because we we build roadmaps daily. I think for the work we're doing, I guess not daily, but having a roadmap in place really helps us focus and it helps me focus when I'm working with a client or when I was in house. Like, what are we building here? Just to level set so we can get kind of deeper into the topic and into the fun stuff. How would you define a roadmap for everybody? Yeah, I, I think like in the PM world roadmaps in like tech product worlds can be a bit different than like if you're just using it in like a way to get more focused on on your like marketing team or marketing ops so for a lot of people like a marketing roadmap will have uh, a bit more of a high level perspective like a strategic view of how the product is going to involve evolve over the course of the next like two, three years and how that's tied to strategic goals. And it really answers like the why, like, why are we building the product like this into the future? And then answering like the how is kind of broken down into uh, project plans and like feature plans, as opposed to like being part of the roadmap. But it, it, for me, it's a lot more simple uh, or a lot simpler in, in the marketing ops landscape. Like to me, a roadmap is just a visual overview showing what projects and tasks my team is going to be working on and when and answers a bunch of other questions like what objectives this is hitting what are the milestones deliverables timeline all that fun stuff but for me it's just like it, it serves as a reliable reference to guide other people in the company to see like what your team is working on staying on track of some of those things and like what are the key projects that are going to take up your team's time 
Mm-hmm. And I think like that, that visual component is super important because it's a forcing function to put something onto a slide. You know, I know in my career, like I've often had to present these roadmaps on, you know, monthly all hands and, uh, you know, at bigger planning events and having this visual in front of you, like you have to start organizing things by theme. And as you start to layer on these other things, like objectives and milestones, as you're talking about, like the details start to really emerge. I think there's a lot to say about, about the process. So let's dig into the process. Like, how do you approach this process? Like how often do you roadmap? What does it look like for you, Phil? Honestly, it's looked like very different at different teams and in different companies that that I've been part of. Uh, there's a lot more sophistication to this process in bigger teams and in some teams, like it was almost on the complete opposite end of the spectrum here. And we did almost like no planning because we knew that like in our startup, there was going to be a bunch of strategy changes. And so it was silly to spend a week like planning the next quarter because we knew that like planning the next two weeks was even like uh, a presumptuous activity. But like I've kind of like settled kind of in the middle of that spectrum and I'm still kind of in the, in the startup world now, like my current startup quit genius is uh, about 200 people. So we're not like massive, but we're kind of in that like close to be scale up phase. Um, so there needs to be at least a bit of attention uh on like how are we going to utilize uh, the current resources that we have on staff and a lot of collaboration to make sure everyone's kind of on the same page. So mm-hmm. for me, like I, I, I know like backlogs, the idea, the idea of backlogs get, um, you know, a negative connotation for, for some folks, but, um, I'm a big fan of backlogs because it's just this like idea dumping ground for me. Like throughout the day, I'll just have like ideas about like, shit, like we should be doing that. Like we haven't done that yet. Or I didn't think of that before. And it just like goes into the backlog. And then kind of on like a weekly by weekly process, you kind of like categorize the backlog, you sort it or whatever. And so I kind of do like quarterly planning now. Um, I'm my current startup, uh, easier said than done. Like right now, mm-hmm we're kind of in uh, still in Q1 and we're rethinking like a lot of stuff that we, we plan for Q1, like uh, halfway through it, but like, it's still a good exercise because it helps kind of the full team get together and like, look through the backlog of stuff that we think mm-hmm. are going to have like high impact based on the goals that uh, are kind of assigned to our team. So we have OKRs. Um, I know a lot of teams do this kind of differently, but like we have a very specific spot in the funnel that our team focuses on and we support other teams in other areas. So it's kind of like a defined list of objectives for our team. So step one is just going through the backlog and figuring out like, okay, these projects are, you know, a bit lower impact. So kind of like the ice methodology, right? Like impact Mm -hmm. confidence and effort on hitting that specific objective. Oftentimes like the stuff that we decide to go into like the Q1 roadmap is just like a continuation of a project that was already there. So it's just kind of like phase two of the the project or whatever, like um, Mm -hmm. email deliverability is like always something that's top of mind for us. So it's like always an ongoing initiative or or project on our roadmap because like email deliverability never really ends. Like you always need to like monitor stuff and like continually like try different things. So 
that's kind of like step one to me, like looking at the backlog, kind of like trying to prioritize <laughs> and theme certain projects, looking at like capacity, like looking at PTO, who's going to be like um, on part-time leave like during that month. Yeah. So like getting a sense of like how much effort this is going to take, how much effort you have on your team in terms of resources and what's going to have the highest impact. And then you kind of like throw that into a V1, you th- ask feedback from a bunch of different people, kind of an iteration process, but that's how it kind of starts for me. Yeah. I feel like that, that organizational fun, like forcing function is a really good, uh, you know, key step in, in bringing awareness to, Hey, I need a roadmap here. Like at the beginning of the, the episode, we talked about, like, if you don't have a true North, it's going to be, you know, marketing is a service-based department. You're going to get inundated with requests and you'll always be doing something else for somebody else, which is, you know, look, that's part of the job. That's part of what marketing does. And a good marketers are conduits for other people in the organization. But still, we need a roadmap. We need to have, you know, some agency in our in our own future. You know, Phil, like going from zero, a, a no roadmap state, which can be like chaotic and look, we've all been there and 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 so on to like having a roadmap process. Like what do you typically find is like the catalyst? Like, oh crap, like we need something now. Uh, to unite everything like what in your experience is like that moment in time that people can maybe think about as a catalyst yeah I think like as a couple of of flags that that kind of raised along the way that you're just like okay we can't just like run by the seat of our pants right now like we need to like think a bit more strategically about what we're going to be doing and part of that is exactly what you said like oftentimes marketing ops or, or even like uh, marketing teams are thought of that as this like request center like other teams are just like requesting marketing ops to like fix a b and c and then like you don't actually have time to work on the things that you think are going to maybe provide a bit more value so there is a piece of like (laughs) thinking of your team as a service team in some capacity but like marketing operations folks like aren't just a service department. Like we had a really good episode with uh, Roxanne Pepin, who's at Rewind. And like, I think one of the main takeaways from that episode was just like, you don't have to say yes to every request. Like you're an expert when it comes to like deciding whether this is something you do or not. And the Mm -hmm. easiest way to like push back on shit is when you have an existing roadmap. And even if you're not there yet, like at least having a list of like ongoing big projects that when you do get new requests and new asks, you can say like, Hey, like this is a great idea. I think we should do it eventually, but we're not tackling (laughs) this right now because this is what we have on our plate right now. It's higher priority. And so like after you answer that question, you do that process of just saying like, no, and this is why, no, and this is why. And it's like very Mm -hmm. manual. Um, Like imagine if instead of saying no and why, like people just go to your roadmap to see what the hell you're kind of doing. And they have a self-assessment of deciding like, hmm, yeah, maybe my request like doesn't make sense in this quarter because it's not higher priority than like A, B, or C that's already Mm -hmm. on their plate. So that's like one warning flag that I kind of see is like, when you get to a stage where um, a lot of people think of your team as kind of the service center and they start throwing new requests to your plate and you're just like, hey, like I need to have a system here where people can kind of see what we're doing. We're strategic. We're working on stuff that's helping other teams. But like, we're not just going to like stop what we're doing to like fulfill mm-hmm. every new request that isn't strategic and wasn't thought of ahead of time. 
Yeah, I think there's also a career component to this, right? Um, when you recognize, particularly in, in like marketing operations, where maybe a roadmap isn't as natural to present alongside your other marketing material, where you have campaigns evolving over the course of the year, and where like some of the initiatives may not not seem to have like clear milestones in the way that other marketing campaigns, like we're going to launch a new attribution model and like, it's going to have a go live date, but the data coming in and the decisions being made, like the significance of that event won't be felt for necessarily on the date that you launch those things live. So I think there's like a career component where you're like, I need to understand like, you know, not only what I'm working on today, the, the firefighting to make sure that the system is really working well, but like, how is what I'm working on today going to help me towards a vision of tomorrow to make the organization run smoother, give us better mm -hmm. attribution data, which is like, you know, core to what we're doing in operations. Like it just comes down to good data management. So when you get a request on a form, you say, oh, well, we need to make sure that all our properties are standardized because we have an action item around attribution and we know, you know, you need clean data and so on. So I think there's something about that as well. Like, you know, you're talking about like the incoming requests component, like, I think there's a really important component as well around like being able to uh, respond to those requests and, and let people know like where do they fit in the categories. Like then they yeah. feel like, okay, and now I got it. And for you, it gives you, gets you out of this like bad habit, which I get into all the time of, hey, I got a request. And you're like, oh, I can do that in like, you know, two hours. And then you do it. <laughs> no. And then you're like, why did I do this? Like, that was so <laughs> stupid of me. Like I created all these properties, these new workflows. I you're like, you know what? I just needed to sit on this idea for another day or two and I would have come up with a much better solution. Yeah. And you're like training the requester to like do this again next time and like interrupt your like flow state because like, hey, JT's not that busy. Like I asked him for something really quick and he did it right away. And it's like, fuck that. Like JT was trying to do this to you so that like you wouldn't bother him again next time and like you'd be kind of fulfilled. But like, yeah, it's it's easier said than done, right? Like there there was a tweet that Dave Gerhardt put out recently and he was just like, this is all the shit that I hate doing as a one-person consultant. And it's like project management, like project kickoffs, like anything that's kind of like strategic around the work that uh, isn't necessarily doing the work, but it's kind of like planning and preparing around the work. And there's an argument to be said there based on the size of team that you have, right? Like mm -hmm. in a massive organization that has like a ton of collaboration across teams and you're like leading a team of 20 people, like you cannot operate without like project uh, kickoffs and, and roadmaps yeah. and project plans. Like, I'm sorry, if you don't want to waste people's time, like you need to do that. But like, he's a one person consulting shop. Like he probably has like half yeah. a dozen like consultants and, and freelancers. So I'm sure he, like uh, subconsciously he does this like a little bit sometimes, but like the yeah. point he's making is like, the work that I like doing is like actually doing the work, like writing stuff and building things as opposed to just like talking about how we're going to write stuff and how yeah. we're going to build things. Yeah. It's pretty epic to design these roadmaps. Like you can definitely fall into like a project management uh, sinkhole where you're just, or rabbit hole where you're like, Oh yeah, we'll line up all these projects. We'll have all these synergies, these categories, these themes, and you're like really excited, but you're actually not doing anything to, to advance those items. And I think that's like a key part in the, in the roadmap. Like there's two things about this that I think is important is how much will you actually adhere to the roadmap? Like I know like product management teams sometimes are like, 
like this is the roadmap and we set this roadmap and getting any item into this roadmap is like you know getting a bill passed in this in in the senate <laughs> or in government like it's it's not happening overnight yeah. like this is going to take time and once you have like a gauge of how serious you're going to be towards your roadmap as well like you can you can start to parse these things out a little bit better yeah, it's definitely easier said than done. Like, I don't want to like um, point the figure at uh, product managers here, but like, the, it's kind of like an interesting role. Like, at my startup, we have uh, a product manager for for marketing slash growth. So, like, we have a team of engineers that help enable us in a lot of cases. So, in some companies, that would be like Martech. Uh, mm-hmm. Martech might kind of sit under marketing. Like, when I was at WordPress, it was a, a separate team like that was working with marketers that were like enabling them. Um, but like this idea that like a product manager is essentially someone that sits in between like the end users or like the the requesters and mm-hmm. the people like that are technical and building this stuff. Um, you get to a stage where like marketing isn't self-serve, like building cookies and like attribution models and fixing data gaps. Like sometimes like your marketing team is uh, at its level of like technical ability and you need kind of help. And, mm-hmm. but like this idea of a product manager when it comes to a roadmap is, is different because like they're not necessarily the ones like asking for a new data model and then like using the data model. They're, they're kind of sitting between the team that's asking it and the team that's doing it. So it's different than like when you're leading a team of people in marketing operations, whether that includes MarTech or not, and you're trying to kind of like arm your team with the ability to say no to stuff because we've mm-hmm. worked on like what we're going to be doing. But like one way that I've countered this in in startups is like when you do capacity planning and on your roadmap you like don't plan out a hundred percent capacity like i think that's something product managers do as well like you keep a buffer in there of like 15 ish percent of resource allocation for just like unknown requests or like ad hoc requests like something that comes from the ceo like um, I'm sure you've been part of startups where you just have like one marching order one day and you think you have a very good idea of who you're going to market to. And then the next day, like a new like item or something from data comes out and the CEO walks to your desk yeah. and he's just like, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. And we're going to do like focus on on this new persona. And so like everything kind of like hits the garbage can. You're like rethinking the projects that you just like worked on doing. So I like this idea of having that buffer. Yeah, it, it, and it's it, it's fun, and I think there's a part of it that, yeah, like product managers definitely serve an important function of keeping you know the engineering and and the product team on the path towards the vision for the product, right? Like, yeah. So stopping the 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 tail from wagging the dog, so to speak, where you know new requests because it's the new shiny objects take us away from the core mission. And I think marketing has to balance has a different balance than than product managers for sure need, will have. Like the timelines are different. There's probably more immediacy to to the campaigning that has to happen. There's trends like putting off a trend for six months because your roadmap dictates that it's not worth it. Like the trend could be gone, right? Like if you're trying to make some memes on chat GPT and you're like, okay, but no, we're not going to do it until July. I'm going to tell you in February, we're recording this now. Like you're going to miss a boat completely. You might've already missed it at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the roadmap, point. yeah, I think so. Like the roadmap, it's such a tricky thing. Like this is the other point that I wanted to make is like, like how flexible are you as a marketing team? Like is, is a huge chunk of your time just like 
you know, responding to, to inquiries and, and to services. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, understanding your setup and the scoping of, of what you do. And I think there's also like some lenience, you have to have some leniency as well. Like if you're understanding capacity, uh, like how, how fast can you create a piece of automation? Well, it depends on the complexity of the automation, right? Like, do you want one automation flow off this or do you want like a branch with like 35 different flows? The, the answers are gonna be different. But what I really like about this is that you don't understand your capacity until you start to measure it. And if you have a roadmap, you can measure your capacity because you're putting deadlines on the plate and you know what your resourcing looks like. So, so it's a feedback model itself. Yeah, I think the whole capacity discussion like could have its own episode by itself. Like I think there's a lot more art than science to the idea of capacity planning, especially for marketers. Like you could easily try to pencil in like 10 hours of work for coming up with like a new content strategy, but like you kind of get into the weeds and you're like, fuck, like <laughs> we're missing personas, we're missing a bunch of data points here. Like this is gonna be yeah. Uh, like a multi-week project instead of just like a couple of days a week. So there's like such a, an art to the idea of capacity. And I think like the same could be said to, to product managers too that do this for engineers. Like they go to the yeah. engineering manager and they say like, hey, this is what we want to build. How long is that going to take? Like there's a lot of art to that, especially when there's like unknowns about like, hey, we've never really done this before. Like you said, like yeah. we're going to take our best guess at how much is going to take. But like there's so much guessing involved oh, yeah. in, in the idea of capacity. Yeah, the, the and then you get a default answer. It, it became it becomes a meme sometimes. You know, when you're talking to product managers, when you're like, "Hey, can you change this?" and it's like, oh, "It's gonna take two weeks." Like <laughs> everything takes two weeks. Like, can you change a form field? Like two weeks. Like no, it's just like easy HTML. Like no, two weeks minimum. And if you keep asking, two months maximum. So. Yeah, I, I feel like we could keep ranting on this, but I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Like, uh, let's get into some some practical topics here. Like how. How does JT do this? Like you, you, you've kind of like maybe uh, like got a list of things that that you want to do. You're kind of getting into theming a little bit. Whether you're presenting this to your boss or or clients, like what does it look like? Like how do you do this? Like what tools are you using? Like uh, walk mm -hmm. us through that a bit. Yeah, well, now that I'm on a consulting side, I'll immerse myself in whatever tool set the the client's using. My okay. my my default though is I like a Miro or a Lucid chart, like a flow. I just need objects and shapes to be able to pull things across. I don't tend, to, in, in my experience with making roadmaps, I don't tend to need to be super precise. Like so, having Excel to to knock out like time periods like i like the general vagueness of like a mural board roadmap where you can pull something across a quarter so it's like will it, will it be the first month of the quarter or the second month of the quarter so that little bit of that but i think the color theming is well available and like just the default design plus it's shareable right and i think like giving people some advance notice the ability to put stickies on top of things like it's it feels fluid uh, and then you copy and paste it and easily push it into a slide so yeah i find i find the simplest answer there uh what about you phil so yeah like i was like trying to think of, of how that would look like if i was applying that like i think the the flow chart uh, way of visualizing a roadmap is is really cool. Um, I think that like some of the limitations are are the details, right? Like you kind of said, like it's a bit more high level, like where we're kind of going, like how things kind of like relate to each other, what we're going to do in a certain quarter or, or whatnot. And I think that's like a bit more what product managers 
think of when when they think of roadmaps like it's a, a visual timeline of of where we're kind of going but there's no details in there and like you can't click through in miro on like project number one and see all mm-hmm. the milestones and see mm-hmm. who's doing what and when you're going to deliver those milestones yeah. like I, I like that idea as kind of like a first step at, at kind of getting buy-in from people. Um, but for me, like the roadmap also includes the the project plan. Like how do we take that big vision uh, that's like a bit more visual and time horizon based? And how do we mm-hmm. like put that into a system that we can assign tasks to people? We can like create a page and we can tag other stakeholders in there. Or we can have like specific timelines and like project dependencies. So for me, like um, the the visual workflow is like a really good kind of kickoff way of doing it. How it actually works like practically for your team to kind of get together. Um, for me, it has to be a project management tool. And there's like hundreds of these out there, like call them task management tools or to-do lists. Like there's so many of them out there. Like um, I've used a bunch like Trello, Asana, Monday, like you name it. Um, Mm -hmm. In my current startup, I've actually settled on Notion. Um, Notion is thought of more as this kind of like um, internal wiki for for companies, right? Like if we want to create a document about like our, our OKRs, like what they're going to be, like you put it into a Notion page and everyone can kind of link to see like the main Notion pages, like they're kind of like memos that are circulated around the company. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of have like migrated a bit from the idea that like Trello, Trello is definitely like always going to be one of my favorite project management tools. We use it for the podcast. Uh, I use it in my personal life to manage a bunch of different shit. Um, but Notion at work so far has been really cool. Like um, my teams, um, many teams basically have this idea of like um, company documents are uh, company wikis are in like mm-hmm. a tool like Confluence. They have project management tools like Asana or Jira to have like tickets logged for different teams. And then they have a bunch of like scattered docs all over the place in the form of like Google Sheets and Google Docs and folders all over the place. And it also includes a bunch of emails on top of that. So it's like super messy. Um, how do you like centralize everything, so to speak? And for me, like imagine you could have just the one tool to kind of rule all of those or at least like centralize and link all of those like separated pieces um so on my startup we use notion really heavily not not everyone does it to a t like we have some stragglers that are still kind of creating stuff in google docs and i'm always like yo put that in a notion page and (laughs) but like imagine like company docs and memos are no longer emails or slack threads or like a various panoply of Google Docs or project managements are managed in one spot and they reference things in the same tool and you don't need separate logins or credentials to log into Jira. Like I don't have access to this ticket. I'm not part of that team. Like all of that is in Notion for us. Um, It's a pretty versatile and, and customizable productivity tool, which is why it scares a lot of people at first. Like at first they log in, they see like all the shit you can do and they're just like, ugh, like I'm used to Google Docs or I'm used to simple to-do list management. And but when you take the time to actually like there's so many videos on YouTube mm-hmm. about like how to use Notion and using templates. Um, like its versatility is like really, really powerful. Um yeah, we we use like a lot of databases in Notion. So like 
every task that our team is going to be working on in a quarter is an item in a database in Notion, and it ladders up to a parent task, which is just like the theming thing that, that we talked about. And you can have a bunch of different fields on that item that are things like uh, when you're going to deliver on that, who's responsible for that, who are the stakeholders there, what objective this is going to be moving. And you can like filter and slice things a bunch of different ways. Like the thing with like having something in like a, a visual workflow or something is that it's, it's pretty static. You can add comments and stuff like that, but like you can't with a click of a button see this by just like filtering Q1 versus like Q2 or you can't just filter all the roadmap items based on like what JT is going to be doing or what Phil is going to be doing. So yeah. it's kind of like the, the episode that we did on, uh, on data models there, like enabling yeah. the dynamic dashboards, like this, is like a dynamic roadmap. Like you can have a bunch of different views of projects that are going on. You still have a bunch of like the, the templating that a lot of project management tool has the comments, uh, the tracking changes, like all the stuff that Trello and Asana's of the world has uh, notion has so yeah that's the tool that i'm using uh right now i'm on a huge yeah. fan of so i want to take the, the like a slightly different direction so adoption this has been like the bane of my existence as mm. as a marketing leader and I'll, I'll tell you the truth i'll confess to to folks on the podcast in our last you know i've been in an organization where we kind of just said like you know what no one's using the the project mm. management like oh, it's naughty <laughs> uh, but you know, we just, they're like, you know, screw it. I'm going to use Evernote. I'm going to track my own projects and I'm going to message you because we're a small team and we can get by with that. And it was actually a decision. It was one of the best decisions we made. So we kind of flew by the seat of our pants. I, I personally have done like all kinds of different models. Like I find on the consulting side, like when I'm doing my own business, like I have to be super driven. Like you were talking about Phil, like making sure the tasks are, are really mapped out, making sure that I'm really super organized, but this does like this whole process hinges upon adoption of your entire team has to adopt this and, and to follow the, the rules and, and everything that you agree upon. So talk a little bit about how adoption works, right? You are talking about notion being adopted, like how, how, do, how do you facilitate that? How do you drive it? How do you be a good example? Yeah, I think it's uh, shared across a bunch of different people. So uh, in some companies, like there's going to be either they're sitting on marketing ops or they're like a, a chief of staff or someone that kind of like owns like async processes. But someone needs to be like if you decide to roll out Notion or Asana or Trello is like the project management tool. You need to kind of like have a team that when you launch this internally, there is good training on it. Like, I think that mm -hmm. that's the piece to getting adoption is like, and not making people go through like this, like self learning model where they need to like spend a week, like watching docs and like taking quizzes on like how to use this tool. Like it's like coming down to the managers, like the people that decide to use this tool internally, like they do training with the managers and they enable the managers to know how the tool is going to be used, like how it could be customized for your team versus another team. And then it's up to the managers to get buy-in from the rest of the folks on the team. And that like, that being said, like you can have like a full company using Notion as project management and internal wikis and still allow for some flexibility in there to say like, hey, JT, like if you hate Notion and like you just want to use it as little as possible, like that's totally fine too. Like if you want to build your stuff in Trello, 
as long as you're putting updates in Notion where everyone else is using it and it's like still kind of this collaboration tool, like go for it, man. Like you're enabled to use whatever tool you want as long as you're spending time like updating stuff that's on the roadmap in Notion because that's mm. what it comes down to. Like you want to like enable people with the learning materials to know how to use the tool. In a lot of cases, it's just like, um, this idea of like change management, people are just like resistant to change because they're so used to something and they have so much other shit on their plate. Like they don't want to learn another tool. So making that as easy as possible for them, like learning the new tool and how to use it. And then like also allowing room for flexibility within certain reason, because mm -hmm. like we know if a project is on track or not based on someone like going back on a weekly basis and updating their <laughs> tasks and notion. Yeah. And it's important because like, our founders look at our roadmaps to see like what the hell the marketing uh -huh. team is working on this quarter, like what they're kind of behind on if they need to jump in and, and get extra resources on something. So, but yeah, I, I agree. It is easier said than done. Like sometimes, like mm -hmm. I said, like I am just the person reminding someone like, Hey, yeah. why did you send an email with a link to a Google doc? Like, we could have put that in notion first. So yeah. it, it like, it's just a reminding process, like a training process, but also having like some room for flexibility in there too. Yeah. And I think in like the async slash remote world where, you know, it's so common not to be in the office to check in on people, like having, having a set of documentation where somebody can walk into your quote unquote virtual office, check out your filing cabinet, see what you're working on and get like a current status update. I think that's, that's pretty important. You know, as a manager who struggled to get adoption on product ma or project management tools, like, you know, if you're listening to this, like just simple comments and like participation in these tools sometimes is enough to get the ball rolling. Like, you know, oh, fine. Like somebody else is like, dared to make a comment on a task like it's not a big deal just like throw a screenshot in there let's get let's get using this and like i think there's sometimes like we get too worked up on like how do we use things like you know screw it just just use it a bunch and then if you make a bunch of mistakes like get really good at apologizing for making mistakes and then you'll be a growth marketer too yeah i love it man i've definitely been in the shoes of the manager who hasn't been able to get buying or at least got buying for people to try it. And then like after a couple of weeks, it's like, yeah, like people just stopped using it. Like no one is kind of using it anymore. And yeah, it, it like, it also varies a lot in bigger companies, right? Like in, in, in the WordPress is like, we, we're actually like building uh, a tool called P2. Uh, and it's kind of like our internal, like Facebook, almost like internal blogging platform, but it's also like an async tool for project management. We are trying to like stretch it uh, a bit more than its capabilities, but like, um, it was something that was said where it was like, it, it didn't happen if you didn't like P2 about it. And at a previous company, like we used Salesforce way heavier than, than it should have been. Like it was this internal repository of documents too. And like the mantra there was just like, you didn't actually accomplish this if it wasn't like uploaded to Salesforce. I wouldn't recommend Salesforce as like the, the tool to do this year, but yeah. we try to embody that same idea at Quit Genius. Like if you haven't put it on notion somewhere where people can easily search it and comment it on it. Like, did you really do it? Like, did you do a good job of over communicating that thing? So yeah, like still allowing flexibility, but yeah, I've been in the shoes of just like, man, like people hate this tool. Like, what is it? Do we try another tool? Like, and at the end of the day, you're just like, fuck, like we just have to get to work here and we're spending too much time picking what tool is going to be best to like plan out this work when we should just be doing the freaking work. Yeah. <laughs>
So look, we're we're running up on time here, but I wanted to ask one more question because we're on the theme about flexibility a little bit here. When it comes to roadmaps, like how far out do you look at the forecast and think, yeah, I'm this is how long I can look? Like, does it make sense for a marketer or marketing operations person to plan the next five years, 10 years, two years, month? What do you yeah. think? Yeah, for for marketers, I think like one year is way too far out, especially if you're like in a startup or a scale up and shit changes really fast, like the industry and the market changes fast, but also like your team goals and objectives change fast, like how your company is performing will dictate like what you're going to be doing next quarter or even like next month. So like one year is like way too far out for me. I think even six months, like planning on like halves of the year is like stretching it pretty thin. Like if you're a bigger company and like, yeah, there's a bit more stability, like based on funding and performance, like maybe okay. But I think like quarterly is like the lengthiest amount of time that I'm willing to, to plan out specific projects, at least like core initiatives, like kind of like keeping it super high level. Like we're going to be focusing on a, B and C, but yeah, lots of dev teams do like bi-weekly sprints and, and epics. And we can even have like a, a full episode on, on, on that idea of like project management and how you get work done. Um, but yeah, it really depends on like the stability of your org is like, you, I'm sure you've been in startups where it's just mm -hmm. like even planning on a monthly basis seems like completely silly to me because mm -hmm. we would be wasting a full week doing that planning because like <laughs> shit's just going to change like next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's like a natural point that you'll find when you do this exercise with a roadmap where it becomes like really vague stuff, like improve, you know, improve optimizations. Like, okay. Like I think we're stretching here, like time to wrap up the roadmap and put a timeline on it. But like, I think it's important that you can name what you're going to be doing with some specificity. And once you go past that, like, yeah, duh, you're going to be optimizing and, and improving. Like that's, that's a given. Um, again, this might be dependent on the types of budgets and timelines. Like if you're, you know, redoing a site, that's going to take a year. Well, there you go. You have the next 12 months. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I feel like we could keep riffing on this for, for a while there, but maybe we can, uh, bookend it there and say that, uh, yeah, folks have kind of heard it here first. Uh, a roadmap is kind of easier said than done based on uh, the size of your company and, and how fast stuff changes. Um, but it all it doesn't always have to be set in stone, your roadmap, and you can keep a buffer in there for like ad hoc new requests. Uh, but it'll definitely help your team stay accountable to certain tasks and at least act as this kind of focus weapon that will arm you with the ability to say no to new requests to keep your team ultra focused and work on the priorities that matter the most. Because at the end of the day, if you don't spend the time building a roadmap for things that you think are valuable, someone else is going to do it for you, whether it happens in one chunk or just like over the course of new requests. So it's up to you if you want to like decide that destiny for, for your team. I think it's worth the, the planning and the time that it takes to do it. Uh, but it's up to you to decide. Try it. Give it a shot. Try Notion. Try Trello, Asana or open a flowchart and try to just like chart out that main core objective that you're going to do and, and see how much you stuck to it. See if it helped you answer questions and, and say no to new requests. Um, but yeah, in the words of Dave Gerhardt, at the end of the day, the most important thing to do is just to do the actual work more than planning how to do the work. <laughs>